I think that one of the first big challenges that we experience as parents is learning how to discipline our child. How do we discipline our child if they're not following boundaries, if they're hurting a sibling, if they're ignoring us? In today's episode, we're talking about discipline, but from a conscious parenting perspective. My name is Cindy Hovington, and this is Curious Neuron. Welcome to the Curious Neuron Podcast, parenting advice that is backed by science. My name is Cindy Hovenden and I'm the founder and your host. I have a doctorate degree in neuroscience and I'm a mom of three. My goal is to bring you information from research that will help you parent your child. Whether you just had a baby or you have a teenager, Curious Neuron is here to answer your questions. Learn with us by visiting our website at CuriousNeuron.com. Join us on Instagram or Facebook. Join our courses, our live webinars, or our weekly family meetings on Monday nights. Send in your comments or questions at info at CuriousNeuron.com. Hello, Curious Neuron family. <laughs> I say family because a few weeks ago we started our weekly family meetings. If you haven't heard of it, you can visit our website at CuriousNeuron.com and uh, click on family meetings. I am really enjoying these meetings because it allows me to get to know you, to see who's participating in Curious Neuron. And uh, we talk about a different topic every week and I try to share some of my experiences with you as well. So if you'd like to know more about that, please visit our website. I did and publish uh, podcast episodes as often as I wanted this summer. I, I kind of cut it in half. Um, I've been working on a project that I'm really excited to share with you and I'll probably share it in one or two podcast episodes at some point in September. But make sure that if you want to stay up to date with everything that we're launching this coming fall that you um, subscribe to our mailing list at kirstenaround.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to go on iTunes and rate it and leave us a review if you'd like. Thank you. All right, so let's get to the main topic of today, which is discipline. And whew, when I think of discipline, my heart pounds <laughs> because you have to discipline in these moments that are tough as parents. You're mostly dysregulated in terms of your emotions and you probably want to yell when something happens and having to calm yourself down to really think of what to say to your child that will help them um, it's not easy as a mom of three especially two young kids a one and a three-year-old you're placed in these situations when you're kind of in a survival mode and um having to think of what to do to properly discipline a child um, might not be <laughs> at the tip of your tongue. I think back to the research that I've read and when it comes to parenting, which includes discipline, they recommend that there's a healthy balance between setting boundaries, which is part of discipline, and being sensitive to our children's emotions and responses. Parenting to either extreme of this, so meaning too many rules without the sensitivity or too much sensitivity without any rules or boundaries can lead to a child not learning how to regulate their emotions. So I think it's really important that we talk about this. And that perfect balance between being sensitive and having boundaries falls under the type of parenting called conscious parenting. That's why I wanted to have our guest on today to speak about this. And this is a follow-up to my talk with Jess from Our Mama Village, um, two episodes back, where we spoke about boundaries. So in that episode, we learned how to set boundaries in our home and why they're important. And now today, what we're going to learn about is what to do when these boundaries are pushed and when we have to discipline our child. 
So I don't want to keep you waiting any longer because this interview was such a fun interview to have um, with Yohiris. And um, I think it's an interview that I'll probably be listening to very often in my own home to remind myself of what needs to be done in those heated moments. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. My guest today is the owner at Imagined Educational Consulting and Parent Coaching. She has a master's degree in early childhood education and is trained in the techniques and ideologies of conscious discipline. Her Instagram account provides us with lots of techniques that we can begin to apply to our parenting immediately. You can find her on Instagram at Imagined Coach and online at imaginedconsulting.com. My guest today is Yehida Smith. Hi. Hi, Cindy. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming. And you know what? I'm really happy that we're talking about it because I feel that this is an episode I'll be listening to every morning to get myself <laughs> prepared for my day. <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> when it comes to discipline... Um, I feel that we could know everything and have all the books and have all our notes, but then it just goes out the window in that moment with our child and it's hard to figure out what to do. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to learning from you today. Oh, I'm so excited to have this conversation. And by the way, I'm also going to be listening to this in the mornings when, <laughs> when I'm, you know, handling five different things at once. So you're not yeah. alone in that. Yeah. So it'll be our, it'll become our morning yes. meditation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So let's start with the basics when it comes to discipline. How do you define it? Okay, so I like to define discipline, at least the way I view discipline, in terms of what it isn't. And what I mean by that is for so long, and I would say up until very recently, the traditional way of disciplining is what we knew. And it's what our parents knew and previous generations and what many people really do today as well. And that kind of discipline, that more quote unquote, traditional discipline is really based on the parents' desire to control um, what is happening in mm -hmm. homes, in their families, with their children. A lot of times, if you, if you really dig deep when you're disciplining that way, you kind of don't even really know why you're doing it. It's a lot of because I said so. It's a lot of mm -hmm. I want to put my child in his place. And it sounds, it's, that sounds pretty extreme, but we all feel that way sometimes. You know, like True. I'm the parent you're the child. If I yes. say something, that is what should be happening, right? So yes. that yes. feeling of um, of fear of, of losing power and that kind of thing, that's what I like to refer to and what many educators and, and parenting experts refer to as more traditional, uh, traditional dis discipline. Um, mm -hmm. When we speak about more conscious parenting or, or, or discipline, it, disciplining in a conscious way, we're really redefining what the word discipline means. And instead of discipline being to punish or to um, assert control, disciplining becomes teaching. And it really is that. It's what missing skill or what skill is my child missing that he or mm -hmm. she needs help in this moment to either develop or, or reach in and find or, you know, what, what is it that I can do to help my child in this moment? Because um, every single time a child acts in a way that we perceive as negative, it's because there's either a skill they're missing in that moment, or um, they're so frustrated or upset or dealing with some sort of conflict that they cannot reach inside and find the skill that maybe they know already. So in that sure. moment, our job is to teach them. So once we reframe it in that way, discipline kind of becomes something altogether different. So it goes from mm -hmm. punishing to teaching. That's really mm -hmm. when I define discipline, how I think of it. 
And I think I, I love the fact that you're mentioning teaching because once we do provide them with those tools, then all of a sudden they're able to manage whether you like you said the emotions Absolutely. or that feeling or you know so i i think when we think about discipline traditionally we do think of you know that control and i i think back to how i was raised and you know my generation of parents and my friends and even with my you know people around me we were tr- raised in the sense that you fear your mom and your dad if you do something you're gonna get in trouble oh yeah <laughs> you know you there was that fear that allowed us to kind of be disciplined i guess or not do some certain things or listen to them um which didn't always work but right um i I think that from some parents that i speak with perhaps they view this whole conscious parenting and the way that we discipline um as kind of letting things go but it's not it's providing those teaching tools absolutely it's interesting you bring up the word fear because i really like to to focus on on that and that is that um fear-based discipline, that traditional kind of discipline does exactly what you're saying. It Mm -hmm. creates this fear in the child that if I continue to act this way, I'm going to be punished or I'm going to have something taken away from me or et cetera, et cetera. Right. So the behavior may change and it may stop in the moment, but is it actually teaching the child how to handle the situation going forward? When you Mm -hmm. switch that to more of, let's say a a love-based or a teaching-based discipline, you're going to have the longevity. You're going to have the long lasting results because it's not just, okay, in this moment, I don't want to be sent to my room. So I'm going to stop now. It's what can I do if this moment happens again? How can Mm -hmm. I learn to deal with that situation more effectively? So the change that happens is more long lasting. It works and it's long lasting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of times I, I, I remember being in school and I'm sure you remember this as well. And many of the listeners for sure. And that is that there was always that kid that was sent to the principal's office over and over and over <laughs> again, right? Yes, always, yes. always. It didn't matter how many times he had to write something on the chalkboard or his parents <laughs> yeah. had to be called or he had to have a detention. It was always the same kid. So if you think about why, why is that? that child is acting a certain way. And instead of trying to get to the root of the issue and teach him or teach her, you know, what can be, what can change? How can I help you? He was just being punished, punished, punished. Yes. The behavior never changed because it mm-hmm. wasn't long lasting. So that's something, you know, that I think is really important as well. So I'd like to elaborate a little bit more about that with you. Cause you had a post on Instagram where you described or you contrasted consequences and punishment. Yes. Yeah. So let's just picture so a few episodes ago, I had um, Jess from Our Mama Village and we spoke about boundaries. Right. So how let's just take an example of a child who's pushing a boundary. Um, I don't know what the boundary can be. Let's say uh, you're not allowed to hit your sister. OK. Perfect. And they repeat it. So now what happens in that moment of, you know, your two year old hitting or hurting his, you know, three or four year old sister? Right. So I think just to kind of go back for a second, what you're talking about, how many Mm -hmm. people look at conscious parenting as being permissive um, Mm -hmm. and being kind of this, oh, kumbaya kind of, you know, peace and harmony and this. It's a huge misrepresentation. And I'm going to answer your question in a minute, but this is really important Yeah. um, because conscious parenting isn't about um, pushing away conflict. Conscious parenting is all about taking conflict and using it in an, as an opportunity to learn if you're the mm-hmm. child or to teach if you're the parent. So it's not about 
being permissive because being permissive would not allow for those teaching moments. It would just allow for things to happen. So for example, if you have a situation where a child is pushing a sibling or a peer or whatever the situation is, or hitting them or doing something physical, um, first of all, the number one thing in conscious parenting is regulating your own emotions before you kind of interact yes. with your child. Because oh, as yeah. we know, when we are triggered, nothing mm -hmm. constructive can come from that. No, no. So that is a whole you know, discussion in and of itself and how yeah. to reach emotional regulation. But, but assuming that you're taking those deep breaths and you're feeling grounded and you're ready to actually interact with your children, the idea would be that you would um, speak to the child and you would, you know, there's something called positive intent, which means that you assign some sort of positive motivation. So for example, you know, one child pushes the other child and takes his toy. Mm -hmm. You can say to that child, you really wanted a turn with that toy. Just that to start. And yeah. what does that do? Well, first of all, what it does is the child is not going to get defensive because you didn't come down hard on him. You didn't punish him. You didn't scream at him. What you did is you took his behavior and you assigned some sort of motivation that could be driving his behavior. So now mm -hmm. the child's brain is receptive to whatever it is you're gonna say next. Because mm -hmm. if you come at him very, very you know, um, strongly and very hard and very uh, kind of scary, then the child's brain is gonna shut down. They're gonna go into their survival mode and they're not gonna listen to a word you say. But when you come to the child and you say, you know, I can see you really wanted to turn with that truck. Well, now that child's saying, hold on, she gets me, right? She sees me. Not judging yeah. me. She's, yeah. She understands me She's, and yeah. then he's ready to listen. And at that point, mm -hmm. that's when you set your limit. Because remember, it's not about permissiveness. It's about, no. it's just about being conscious. So at that point, when the child is ready to listen, then you can say, it isn't okay to push. Pushing hurts. So you mm -hmm. started with the positive intent. Then you went into whatever your limit is, your stating of your limit. And now the child is ready for you to teach him something. Because remember, that's what it's about. It's about teaching. So now you can say, if you want a turn with the truck, you turn to your sister and say, can I have a turn when you're finished? Mm -hmm. You're teaching the child a skill going forward. It's not about just saying, oh, you hit your sister, go to your room. Yeah. Because what is that actually accomplishing? But when you can kind of get him or her to the point where he is receptive to what you have to say, using that positive intent, and then you set your limit, now you can say, okay. I understand that you wanted to turn with the, with the truck. So you pushed your sister. We know now that, you know, pushing is not okay. It hurts or it can hurt feelings or bodies or however it is you want to say it. Mm -hmm. Now, if you do want a turn with it, why don't you turn to her now and say, can I have a turn when you're done? And that yeah. becomes something that is constructive. Now you've taught that child a tool and he doesn't feel like he's shamed or like the worst person on the planet. Mm -hmm. so, it's true. Yeah. And would I would you do the same or apply the same technique with an older child? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's obviously your your language changes as the child mm -hmm. gets older. So you know, you're not necessarily going to talk to a teenager the same way you're going to talk to a child in terms <laughs> in terms of the you know the words you use. But for example, mm -hmm. and I don't have teenagers yet, but <laughs> I remember being one. <laughs> yeah, and um, and I remember you know giving my mom uh, a run for her money. <laughs> for sure. That is for sure. And I think that with, with a teenager, with an adolescent, 
the way it could work is, you know, you, you, you're really tired after a long day. So you don't want to, so you don't want to, you know, set the table, you know, that's that positive intent You know, mm-hmm. to your child. It's time to set the table. Can you set the table? And he says, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if he's 15 <laughs> years old or 16 years old and you can say, you know what? I get it. You've had a long day at school. You're really tired, but it really isn't okay to say no to what I say. So mm-hmm. it's time to set the table now. Now, of course, and you can ask, well, what if he says no? What if he continues to say no? And then obviously, you know, that's a longer discussion that you have to have with him. Mm-hmm. The idea is that it is a discussion and it is a, you know, children say no and they become defiant for reasons. And sometimes the reason is as simple as I just want to have my voice heard or yeah. I just want some independence, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. in terms of that, it's, it's really the same no matter how old they are. They want their autonomy, whether they're two years old or like 18 years old, mm-hmm. you know? And this approach, especially with the positive intent, I could see that being applied in a relationship too. Oh yeah. We become more open when instead of being confronted or, you know, having to feel defensive right away, like you said, when you open up that sort of conversation and all of a sudden they're being receptive to what you're saying so there's more of that opportunity right. for you to have that discussion with them uh instead of just you know getting upset with them absolutely absolutely. Yeah. and okay. and of course there's always and in conscious parenting it's and this is really an intuitive thing i think everyone would agree with this uh, um but in conscious parenting we bring it to the forefront which is that there needs to be constant constant um conversations noticing when a child is doing something positive um, connecting with your child constantly, what, no matter how old they are, um, and and giving them opportunities to connect, healthy opportunities to connect. So that it's not like, oh, there's nothing, 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 nothing. Oh, now my child did something bad and I'm going to yell at him. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it becomes mm-hmm. this creating a climate of connection in the home. And that naturally is going to lead to a little bit more of a harm, you know, harmonious home. Now, of course, there's always going to be conflict. That's not going to go away. Of course. But yeah. how are we going to respond to it? And, and what are we going to teach our children about responding to conflict? Because that's mm-hmm. also a big, a big deal. So Of course, yeah. And I, I think just to go on along that line, it, there, there are four different parenting styles. And I like to talk about them because I, I think it's relevant to what we're talking about because you, you mentioned before, it's not about being permissive, right? So we, we right. I, I just want to continue along that line because... There, uh, each type of parenting has a certain degree of demandingness, which is how you control, you know, certain situations, and responsiveness, which is your warmth and your involvement with your child. And there's being authoritative. So uh, that's when you're just really, you control everything and there's no warmth or involvement. But then there's a t- authoritarian where you are in control, and this is where conscious parenting comes in. You set those boundaries and those limits, but you show that sensitivity and that warmth towards your child. Right. And then another one is when you're permissive and you're sort of not you're not in control, but you're showing that sensitivity. So it's not about letting that go. It's not about not having boundaries. Absolutely. You, you need to have those boundaries. And then the last one is being neglectful, where you're not showing that warmth and sensitivity and you're not really in control and not, not sending ba- setting boundaries. Um, so I think it's important to contrast those because that's where conscious parenting falls in. It's that authoritarian where you balance having those boundaries and those rules, but showing that warmth by what you're saying, you know, that sort of model of that positive intent and then setting that limit once again. Yeah. And I absolutely agree with that. And I think that it's really amazing that you set it up that way. It's very clear that mm. something like conscious 
conscious parenting is really a perfect balance. And that's why yes. a lot of people feel, oh, they hear it. And like I said, they think, oh, this is just like a peaceful, happy. Yeah. yeah. And actually, actually, it's not that at all. It's the perfect no. balance of, um, you know, having that that power and giving the warmth. And actually, if the power that you end up having in that relationship is a respectful one. It is yes. one that's full of um, learning and respect and connection. Mm -hmm. And so it yes. becomes something that really is natural and and um, and authentic. And authenticity is always long-lasting. We see that mm -hmm. in many areas of, of life and in the world. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I totally agree. And I think that balance in general in life is so key. And especially when it comes to our relationships, you know, with our children. Mm -hmm. So within this framework of uh, conscious parenting, let's go back to the whole consequence versus punishment. Yes. Let's go back to consequences versus yes. punishment. So within the positive uh, or sorry, within the conscious parenting framework, right. do you apply any consequences or oh, punishment? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. So um, I do like to speak a lot about consequences and punishment. And the reason I do is because we want to, in conscious parenting, we use consequences. We don't use punishment. The issue okay. is that often Oftentimes, um, when people don't realize it, they use the word consequence because it sounds nicer, it sounds better, but they're actually just applying punishment. So mm -hmm. um, a punishment is something where, like we were talking about before, where a child is behaving in a way that isn't okay. And I, as the mother, as the parent, I'm going to make that child um, kind of suffer for that. Now, suffer is a very extreme word, but that's really what it is. So I'm going to say to my child, you know, um, you didn't fill up the gas tank when you came home. So you're grounded for two weeks or, you know, no, no computer time for you for a week or mm -hmm. no TV. So what are we doing? We're saying, I'm going to make my child suffer because I didn't like, you know, what it was that he, that he did. But again, there's no learning anything and it doesn't even make sense. Whereas a consequence is something that is is actually connected to whatever the misbehavior was. So for example, if you're going to say to a child, you know, you I told you that you needed to bring home the, the, the car with the, ta with the tank full and you mm -hmm. didn't. So now you do not have the privilege anymore of using the car. That's a consequence that fits perfectly with what the misbehavior was. Now the child learns something. If I can't be responsible with the car, I can't use it. Got it. Yeah. So that's really what consequences are. So for example, if a child is is acting in a way that is that is aggressive or unsafe with a toy, well, you then cannot use the toy because mm -hmm. it, and that's something that makes sense. Now the child can say, well, why am I not using the toy now? Well, because I wasn't able to be safe with it as opposed to mm -hmm. Why don't I have my iPad now? Um, I don't even remember. I just know my mom got really mad. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. So conscious conscious parenting is really about consequences. Sometimes they're natural consequences, which has to do with, you know, if you touch the stove and burn yourself, that's a natural consequence that I, as a parent, you know, didn't impose. And that's mm. all the consequence you need. You don't need yeah to then impose anything else. But a logical no. consequence is imposed by the parent, but it's connected to whatever the behavior was in the first place. So then for parents who are listening that uh, use or apply timeouts, right. would that be a consequence or a punishment? Okay, so in my opinion, timeouts are really punishments. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I wanna just kind of 
preface that with the concept of if a child is acting in a way that is hurting somebody else's body, which of course safety is always the number one thing, then you mm-hmm. might have to separate them. Meaning, you, you know, you can't play in this room anymore because you're not being safe, come to this other room. But it's not a matter of, you know, go sit in the corner, go to your room and think mm-hmm. about what you did. Because according to, to brain science and according to scientific studies, children don't even have an inner voice where they're able to reflect until they're about seven or eight years old. Yeah, so something like time out, especially when they're little, is totally ineffective. Um, it's if, not teaching anything. Not teaching If you go back to the, yet. yeah. Correct. Um, mm-hmm. But, and also not only that, oftentimes what happens with children when they are misbehaving is they're trying to connect to someone or something and they just don't know how. So what you're mm-hmm. doing is you're doing the opposite of what they actually need in that moment. So if a child's doing something that is pushing someone's buttons or doing something because they don't feel a certain connection with a human being, whether it's the parent or the peer or the sibling, then you sending them to time out is doing the opposite of what they actually need. So I like to give the example of, um, you know, the word attention versus connection. So a lot of times people say like, oh, my child's doing something annoying. Oh, he just wants attention. Ignore. Yes. But if you replace attention with connection now, you know, no one's going to say, oh, he just wants connection. Ignore him. So it Mm -hmm. changes everything. It, it, it reframes the way we view um, our children's behaviors. And I think that's the driving force of conscious parenting is how we interpret and view our children's behaviors. If we view someone, you know, if we view our child as being a nuisance and being annoying and just trying to make us crazy, then yeah, we are going to send them to timeout. But if we hmm. view it as what is the, the driving motivation behind this particular um, behavior, now we can maybe figure out a different way of dealing with it. So in my opinion, um, in conscious parenting, something like timeout or sending a child into isolation of any kind is really more along the lines of punishment than it is mm-hmm. than it is consequence. I love that you've um, said, you know, or contrasted, you know, t- attention versus connection, because I think that's something a parent could start applying right now. Correct. And yeah. just cha- applying that and starting to change the way you view it really can have an impact on your child's behavior and the connection that you have with them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Now, going back to something we mentioned a little bit, um, misbehavior. Yeah. How, what, what, how do you define misbehavior? Oh, I'm actually so happy you said that because every <laughs> single time... I use the word misbehavior and I use it because that's the term that people know. Whenever Mm -hmm. I say misbehavior, I cringe a little. And the reason is because (laughs) I'll tell you exactly why. The reason is because I once learned, I read a book by a man named Dan Gartrell. I don't know how to say his name. I think Gartrell, Gartrell, G-A-R-T-R-E-L-L. And he was really talking about the classroom, but it can be applied to parenting as well. And what he says is, when we define a child's negative behavior as misbehavior, if you break down the word misbehavior, you're saying it's bad. Misbehavior mm-hmm. means it's bad behavior. And what he said is if you redefine it as mistaken behavior, as opposed to misbehavior, then now we framed it as my child is still developing. He's still trying to figure out the world. And this behavior that is negative and obviously not okay is really ultimately just a mistake. 
It's yes. mistake. And when we look at it that way, obviously we don't want him to make mistakes. We want to teach him to do it the right way, but that's mm-hmm. exactly it is. It becomes, oh, my child is bad and I'm judging his behavior as bad to my child is mis- is, is, is showing mistaken, oh, I'm getting all confused, is showing mistaken behavior as opposed mm-hmm. to behavior. Now, all of a sudden, well, I make mistakes all the time. I wouldn't want someone standing over my shoulder and berating me and punishing me. You know, if I'm new on the job, for example, let's say I have a new job and I have to use a, a, you know, a software that I've never seen before. Maybe I've had limited experience with. If my new employer is standing over my shoulder <laughs> screaming at me and I'm an adult, I'm 35 years old. If that happens, <laughs> I would quit. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'd be like, peace out. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk to me like that. My self-esteem would drop maybe permanently, right? Mm -hmm. So for our children who have only been on this earth for such a limited amount of time, and even the older ones where their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until 25, Mm -hmm. well, now we're telling them you're not allowed to make mistakes. And if you do, I'm going to punish you as opposed (laughs) to if you make a mistake, I'm here to teach you. Now, a lot of parents respond to me and they say, well, if my, ch- my child knows the rules, right? So it's not a mistake. And what I say to them is brain studies, there are studies, and I learned this through conscious discipline courses years ago, that brain studies show that it takes 2,000 uh, 2, times of trying to um, change a behavior of a child for them to actually have that rewiring of the brain. So when I say <laughs> to my child, and I've thought about it as I've said it before, if I say to my child, I've told you 500 times yeah. <laughs> that you have to clean up, you know, put your stuff in the in the laundry hamper, hamper for example. That was my conversation <laughs> yeah. tonight, right? Then it would be totally fair for that child to turn to me and say, well, mommy, you have 1,500 more times to, <laughs> to do that before you can actually justify getting angry with me because a child's brain is so malleable still you know, mm-hmm. and they're still learning. So even if, you know, your child looks at you straight in the eyes and defies you, it's still considered a misbehavior because in that moment, that child cannot or, or is not able to, to access those skills. So when yeah. we look at misbehavior that way, well, it's no longer misbehavior. Now it's mistaken behavior. And now mm-hmm. I can react and respond differently. <laughs> right? I wonder, I wonder if those 2,000 times bring you to the age of 25. <laughs> when you, Probably. <laughs> Probably. You just have to wait till they're 25 and when the frontal lobe is developed. And they say that, they say that, um, and I think we spoke about this in the past, they say that um, car insurance goes down dramatically, yes. drastically at 25 because yeah. that's our judgment. I mean, I made mm-hmm. terrible decisions before I was 25, you know? And <laughs> Same, you can't even yeah. blame yourself because yeah. the brain is just not developed enough to say like my judgment is where, where it's supposed to be. So in those moments mm-hmm. when my child's frustrated or upset or angry or hungry or tired and she looks at me and she says, no, mommy, mm-hmm. I can either look at that as bad behavior, which is a judgment, or mm-hmm. I can look at that as, you know what? It's a mistake. In this moment, yeah. she is not able to access the part of her brain that is telling her what the appropriate thing to do is. And I mm-hmm. view that as a mistake. And now I can teach her. It's not okay. Yes. Here's a different way to, to handle the situation. So that's how I think it's behavior. Yeah, I, I love that you've 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 said all this because, you know, especially when we have toddlers 
And we just sometimes get caught in this cycle of thinking everything is a misbehavior. Um, you know, I, I, I get a lot of emails from parents who ask how to discipline a child under one because they're having lots of, you know, quote unquote tantrums. Right. And that age, especially when they're not verbal or even two or three years old, when they're still learning how to communicate, right. they are not misbehaving. They are, you know, it's a mistaken behavior, like you said, and they are looking for tools they're looking for help how do i communicate a certain feeling that i have right. how do i if i don't have the language skills how do i say that i you know or how do i understand the word wait i don't know what wait is so yeah. i'm gonna scream oh, absolutely. <laughs> so i think that you know we really need to look at it that way because when we change our mindset and we change the words that we're using inside then we're able to ha- help them a lot more you know, it's interesting because um, sometimes I go into schools and I give I give workshops, similar topics, but how to apply them in a classroom setting. And um, what I do is I put up the scenario on the screen and it's a cute little baby, like probably two years old, let's say 18 months or two years old, that many of the teachers may be teaching that age. And I say, okay, let's put us out a scenario. Let's say this child comes up to you with his you know, fingers in her mouth or thumb sucking or whatever it is and says, mm-hmm. um, me tired night night time right Mm. obviously it's not a complete sentence or grammatically correct or Mm -hmm. anything quote unquote proper right i said and i put up a a a multiple choice what would be the most appropriate response to this and number one put her in timeout for not using proper language Mm. which of course all the teachers were like oh no i would never (laughs) no way right well you hope teachers would say that um and then (laughs) b was you know tell her, I'm not going to help you until you speak properly. And of course they're like, no, no, no. Um, and then the third one was modeling the correct grammar by, you know, by, by mirroring, mirroring what she says in the correct way and then giving her what she needs, which is what we would all mm-hmm. do. Oh, you want, you're tired. You want to go to sleep now? Okay, let's go. And mm-hmm. it was very obvious to them. And then what I follow that up with is when it comes to verbal skills, we know that it is not appropriate, healthy, or effective to try to punish or train our children to do it the right way. We know that that's not appropriate because the child's brain is not ready to speak that way yet. That's why they don't speak that way. So we never punish mm-hmm. him for it. But for some reason, when that, when that changes into behavioral things, yes. all of a sudden we change. But for the child, it's all the same. It's all development. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when we look at it that way, where wait, this child just doesn't have the brain development to speak properly yet. And then we look at the behavior and we say, okay, this child doesn't have the brain development to handle this situation correctly yet. Then our perspective changes. And we would never, mm-hmm. the same way as we would never send a two-year-old to timeout for bad grammar, you know, we would, <laughs> we would, it's ludicrous, <laughs> right? We would, yeah. so we would take that and we apply it to other behaviors that are not verbal, mm-hmm. that are not language-based. You know, we wouldn't mm-hmm. ever punish a child for not being able to walk yet. So how can we punish <laughs> a child for being a little bit behind in how to, you know, and how to handle conflict resolution, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, and I think also our, our own triggers sometimes can cause us to kind of discipline a child. Oh, yes. <laughs> without really wanting to. And that has, you know, that could be a whole other talk, but... It's it a lot of what how we respond to it, and especially days that we're tired. Sometimes there are days I'm tired and I I, I get upset about something when it's not really something to be upset about. Oh yes, that was today. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. We, you know, those days are hard. And it, you, you think back at the end of your day and you, you kind of feel regret and guilt. And why did I say that? Or why did I do that? Right. But there's an important part um, to disciplining. I, or, or I don't know if it, it applies to discipline, but that repair. Would you oh, yes. say that that's something important too? Yes, yes. And, and, and the thing is about the triggers, which is interesting, and I'll get to the repair in one second, is that I think that, you know, when it comes to triggers, triggers are so um, connected to trauma. And even if they mm -hmm. haven't actually experienced actual trauma in the moment, and this is also based on brain studies, in the moment when we are triggered by our children, it's, it's the same kind of, we can go into the same kind of PTSD kind of state as people who have actually been through trauma. And the reason is because you know, it's, it's so connected to our deep essence of who we are. Like I, this is my child and I'm failing, or this is my mm -hmm. child and I am, you know, um, helpless, desperate. And those feelings can make us do, do, you know, things that we, or say things yeah. that we wouldn't want to say. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm thinking of that moment where you probably have a, cry, a baby who's crying in your arms, a newborn, And then a toddler who's having emotional outbursts and is crying and is acting out. Oh, yeah. Those moments, you completely lose you control. Lose and you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that uh, two things about what you said about repairing. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. number one is um, I find, and many of my, my clients and my friends, and even in my own home, um, it's so effective that we are going to lose our minds sometimes. We're human. Yes. We're not mm -hmm. going to have perfect days. That's number one. We have mm -hmm. to know that perfection is not an attainable goal as a parent. No. <laughs> we try to get that out of our mind. And the same way, by the way, as it's not perfection is not an attainable goal for our children either. Yes. You know? So when we take perfection out of it, we're going to say, okay, I am going to have moments that I'm going to fail as a parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, but that doesn't mean that it has to end there. So what I really like to, to tell parents about is this concept of, revisit and repair. And what mm -hmm. that means is, let's say I had a you know moment with my, with my daughter where I lost it and I started screaming at her. So she, that's going to be the last thing she remembers about our interaction. But if, what, if later on, when there is a calm moment, I go to my child and I say, listen, things were a little crazy earlier. We both may have said something or acted in a way that was, you know, not okay. Um, but I'm human and you're human and let's try again. And that being able to um, show, first of all, that you know that you're human. So you're modeling that for your child. You're modeling mm -hmm. your child that I know that I'm human and that I make mistakes and it's okay to make mistakes and learn from them and grow from them. So you're modeling that for your child and there's humility that you're modeling, which is, which is to me one of the, the most valuable traits that you can model. And you're telling your child, I care enough about our relationship that I'm here and I'm ready to try this again. Mm -hmm. And your child ends up remembering that more. It almost takes the place of all of that screaming or whatever happened earlier because mm -hmm. a child really remembers like the last thing about a situation, like the most, you know, the most, the, the last thing that happens. So if the last mm -hmm. thing that happens is you losing your cool and you never go back and repair it, well, then that damage sticks. But if you go back and you're able to say, let's try again, well, now you've, you've literally repaired that fraying of the, of, the, of the thread, you know, the fraying of the fabric. You have just yeah. repaired that in, a, in that moment. So you're mm -hmm. able to say, you know what? I, I made a mistake. I didn't handle this the way it was supposed to be handled or the way I would have wanted to handle it. Now we're going to try this again. And mm -hmm. I've seen success 
firsthand, secondhand, thirdhand. <laughs> when it comes to this, it is probably like if the if whoever's listening takes away one thing from this conversation, I would say mm-hmm. it would be that that it's yeah. okay to lose your cool. It's gonna happen, but you can always have a second chance and your second chance comes in the form of this repair and revisit mm-hmm. very it really is yeah yeah and it doesn't matter how old your child is oh. even if you have a 18 month old or two year old oh, yeah oh yeah you have to take that moment and you're modeling that to them and you know showing them that it's okay to lose your cool but that we reconnect correct you know? that's exactly yeah. it that's exactly it and actually i would even go a step further and say that the earlier you start it the better yeah, true. Children, yeah. same way as they say, the earlier, you know, I, I would like sit and read books to my newborn babies and people would say, well, they can't even understand what you're saying. And I'm like, mm-hmm. the, the earlier you expose them to that kind of language, yes. those kinds of concepts, the, the, the quick, their brain development, everything about it is so beneficial. And yeah. it's the same with this. The earlier you expose them to it, first of all, the more um, integrated it's going to be in their brains. And also just based on like the, the, just the language aspect of it is so beneficial that you're teaching them those words so young and you're, mm-hmm. you're, and you're introducing those kinds of concepts to them so young. It's like language. It's like any language, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I totally agree with you. So when we're talking about revisiting and repair, let's, uh, I received a question uh, from a parent on Instagram that um, learned a lot from the week that we had you on as the guest collaborator. And they asked, they wanted to ask you, what happens if your child is 12 years old now and you had a very uh, harsh you know, approach to discipline until now? Right. Is it too late to start fixing things and to revisit and repair with them? Or you know, what, what can a parent do if they're feeling, they're listening to this and saying, you know, I never really applied this. Is it too late now? It's such a fantastic question. And it's probably one of the, the most common questions I've ever gotten. I could imagine. Yeah. Because people feel like, oh, well, it's too late. It's too yeah. late. So all I can say is imagine like I am 35 years old and I was raised a certain way and my mm-hmm. experiences with discipline have, have been a certain way, even if they weren't with my own children. And I am waking up and I'm saying I am ready to be better and I'm ready to to take the plunge and to um, you know learn new skills. And so if I can do that at age 35 or however old the person is, then your child at age 12 could absolutely learn yeah. from you. So um, so the, 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 the short answer is no, it's not too late. Mm-hmm. I would say it's not even mm-hmm. too late if you have a teenager, but of course it's going to take time. And um, any habits unlearned and replaced takes time. So mm-hmm. the matter of, you know, when I actually, <laughs> I learned conscious parenting or I learned about conscious parenting and conscious discipline when I was, when I, when my kids were young, but I didn't start um, actually implementing it until my oldest was about six. And, and I'll never forget that I started doing this whole noticing thing where I would notice, um, I would say, wow, you're cleaning up the toys so that nobody will slip. That's so helpful. That's so kind. And I was constantly just just like a script. I was going through it. I was going through it. <laughs> and after about two days, my daughter looked at me and she's like, mommy, why are you talking like that? <laughs> yeah, actually, she was so confused because I went from clean up now yeah. or else to, <laughs> to, wow, you're really... And she was, but now, you know, but it was very, it wasn't, it was, she was a little younger. She was six. It's not as old as 12, but the idea is it's an investment of time and it's an investment of growth, but 
it works. So mm-hmm. even at 12 years old, it just may take longer than if you, than if you started to, you know, it may take yeah. longer for that. But I always say with conscious parenting that it is a journey. And even if you're starting from the time your child is born, it's still a journey because you mm-hmm. as a parent have to unlearn so many different um, habits and ways of communicating and stuff. So, mm-hmm. so that's the long, so the short answer is no, it's not too late. It just takes time and patience and, mm-hmm. and desire to, to do better. And the long answer is everything else I just said. <laughs> yeah, which is a lot. It's going to be a lot of work. But work. I think as, as a parent, there's something really humbling, you know, Absolutely. to yeah. when you kind of sit down with your 12 or 16-year-old and admit to mistakes. You know, how many of us... <laughs> Uh, children now that are older would love to hear you know I'm sorry I kind of screwed up from our parents oh, yes <laughs> um yes. so I think I definitely agree with you that it's never too late and it, I guess in the end it, applying that revisit and repair could be in the moment if you're if you're following this whole conscious parenting now right. or if it's you haven't done it in years you can start that it's just that the, you're revisiting and repairing 12 years oh absolutely <laughs> yeah it can be a matter of listen I want to, I want to do better and I want to have mm-hmm. a, an amazing relationship with you. And I, and I want to connect to you. So I've decided that this is what I want to do. And I think at 12 years old, you can have that conversation with your child. Course, yeah. I mean, if I have yeah. a conversation with my two year old, they'll probably just look at me like, <laughs> but yeah. 12 year old and, and you know what, they'll probably just be like, okay, mom, whatever, you know, fine, great, whatever, you know? So, mm-hmm. but at least you're showing them. And like you said, you're modeling that desire to, to, to grow and to develop mm-hmm. as a human being and, and as a parent. And I have to say that conscious parenting really is um, a focus on growing as a human being. Because like you mm. said, many of these concepts can really be applied to any relationship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it, it definitely is something that can be done and it's a journey and it's one step at a time. And yeah. progress is the name of the game, not perfection. Mm-hmm. And, um, I love that. Yeah. And it's, and it's so true and it's like anything else and we're human, you know, at the mm-hmm. end of the day. So, yeah. So yeah, it's a great question yeah. though. And I've gotten so many of those questions of, Oh, well, my, my child is like 15 now. So, yeah. so start from now, you know, exactly. what's, it's not going to hurt. It's only going to, they have to see, help. yeah, exactly. And they, they also have to see that you're trying to make it like to change. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, you you touched on noticing. Can we talk about that a little bit more? One of my for, favorite for subjects, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I'll tell you why. It's 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 kind of, in my opinion, the the basic um, line of. I'm trying to think of how to describe it. Basically, when you start from noticing, you you've got a really good foundation. And well, I guess we should probably talk about what noticing is first, right? <laughs> yeah. Does it apply to discipline? Oh, yes. Well, it okay. leads, I'll tell you what it is. It, everything yeah. applies to discipline because again, discipline is about teaching and, and, and you teach your child how to be in the world in an appropriate and healthy and happy and compassionate way. And the way you do that is by creating a climate at home that is full of, um, of, you know, uh, helpfulness and kindness and empathy and compassion. And one way that you do that is by noticing. And what noticing Mm -hmm. refers to is that um, in the in-between times, when there's no conflict, when it's just, um, you know, life, that you are constantly present and noticing things that your children are doing 
and celebrating that. And what that looks like is, for example, um, like what I just said, wow, you cleaned up those toys so that nobody would trip. That was really helpful. And that's mm-hmm. it. And what you're doing in that moment is you're, first of all, giving positive reinforcement for positive behavior. Yes. You're also building up that child so that in those moments of disconnect, which are sure to happen or conflict, at least they're not feeling like they're totally flailing. You know what I mean? Yes. They feel yeah. they're important that they have value. And another thing that it does um, is it creates this feeling of in- intrinsic worth as opposed to extrinsic worth. And what I mean by that is if a child st- is, starts to understand that the good things they do are valuable because they are good and not because they're going to get a reward or because they're going to you know, get a, a, a pat on the back. But mm-hmm. uh, me cleaning up the toys is a good thing to do because it's a good thing to do. It's helpful. It's kind, <laughs> right? And not Yeah, it doesn't have to be more than that. Right? It, mm-hmm. And so what you do is you're building this intrinsic worth. And we know that people who feel intrinsically good are going to behave better, even adults. Yes. So yes. whereas if you do these like reward and punishment kind of kind of situations where, oh, for every every single time you clean up, you get a sticker, and then after the tenth sticker, you get a lollipop. Well, then what you're doing is you're training your child to look extrinsically for yeah. worth. True. And yeah. then what happens, and it seems far fetched, but again, these are based on studies findings from studies, et cetera, is you have children who grow up and they're continuing to look outwards for reinforcement. And then you do get issues with unhealthy relationships and Mm -hmm. addiction and things like that, because we've trained Mm -hmm. our children to only do positive things because they're going to get a reward for that from someone else. So Mm -hmm. um, there's a fine line, obviously, between this noticing and celebrating and praise, um, I don't like to use the word praise because the, the word praise kind of implies that again, the value comes from me I'm yes. telling you it's good because I think it's good as opposed mm-hmm. to I'm just noticing positive behavior and trying to instill in you that it's positive. Mm-hmm. So well, I, I think with noticing you're, you're also, you're very specific, right? Yes. You know, I noticed, you know, you, you thank you for cleaning up the toys. I noticed you cleaned everything. That's really helpful versus praise. We'll kind of say, something like you know good job exactly <laughs> you know you finished your dinner great that good job yeah. <laughs> or you know you clean the toys good job all, actually it doesn't really mean <laughs> yeah. at all it's just a it's, yeah and you can very easily as a parent be on your phone or totally disconnected and your child will come up to you and say look mommy look what i did and you just oh good job good job yeah yeah which is not as meaningful as wow i see you you put you know, you mix the red and the blue and you made purple out of your paint. Yes. You know, it's a lot yeah. more impactful. My, I always bring my husband up in these conversations because whenever we are um, at someone's house, let's say for dinner or something, um, he will, and this just comes naturally to him, like at the end of the meal when everyone's like, oh, everything was wonderful. Thank you. He'll choose one specific thing that he ate at the meal and he'll say, wow, everything was great. I really, really love that soup. That soup was Mm -hmm. so delicious. I love chicken soup. It was one of the best (laughs) I've ever had. How much more impactful and meaningful is it receiving a compliment like that? Like, oh, everything was great, thanks. Yeah, And that's kind of like what I like to compare it to because it's true Mm -hmm. um, that when I say like, you know, when I say good job or great or you're amazing (laughs) or I'm so proud of you, 
doesn't mean as much. Like you said, it's not as specific mm-hmm. and noticing forces us to be present. I have to actually mm-hmm. look at what my child's showing me <laughs> in order to, <laughs> to it's respond true. to it, which is an mm-hmm. exercise for us. Mm-hmm. And how about, um, can you bring up another example of noticing? So you, we, I, I, get, I understand it when you're applying it to, let's say, putting toys away. How else would you apply noticing? Um, so noticing, I mean, it could be even something like if we're going to talk about, let's say, an older child, um, it could be, you know, uh, you worked so hard and you aced that test, you know, mm-hmm. or, or even something smaller than that, like, um, wow, you finished that whole book. That must've taken a long time, you know, just kind of like just noticing. And sometimes by the way, it feels really silly because you find yourself just like describing what you're seeing, but that's what it is. You're describing what you're seeing. It's like a, Mm -hmm. like a sports commentator, right? (laughs) Same way as like the sports team, like, oh, he's running down the the sidelines and he's, oh, it's touchdown, right? (laughs) If you're listening to them on the radio, you're able to to know what's happening based on the descriptions. And it really is like that. It can literally just be like, you know, you put all your laundry away. It's like just a statement. Mm-hmm. You put all your laundry away. Way to go, you know? <laughs> Great. So what it does is it also creates like, um, and I find in the classroom, if you're, if you're a teacher, this is also really amazing because when you start, uh, and it can happen with siblings too, when you start noticing positive behavior, slowly everybody else wants to act that way too because they also want that interaction with you mm-hmm. so it it's true. like this you know um wow that was so helpful you cleaned up the toys that was so helpful and then that kid is running to put away a toy they may even mm-hmm. take the toy out drop it on the floor and then pick it up and put it back <laughs> just to show <laughs> that they're doing something yeah. and you know what that's great yeah be like oh yeah. well that wasn't really so sincere you know because for them it's real so it mm-hmm. really is a matter of just describing what you see, maybe adding a little cute phrase like way to go. Good for you. You did it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because then it just, you know, is a little bit more enthusiastic. Um, but I do try to t- stay away from good job. And also I'm so mm-hmm. proud of you. Oh yeah. Because that's all about me. It's not about me. It's true. Right. Yeah. It's about you. So, mm-hmm. um, that, so those phrases are hard to take out of your vernacular, but there's something that I, you know, I still catch myself sometimes falling back into them, but yeah. they're, they're very, they're very, it's very, um, it, it, it pushes you to have to think of more impactful things to say, basically. And I, I could see how it might feel silly on the parents end, but then if you place yourself in the shoes of the child where you're like, oh, you noticed I read that book, yes. you, you actually noticed that I cleaned my room, you know, that right? I could see how, how much of an impact it could have on a child to feel noticed. Absolutely. And, and yeah. so oftentimes, oftentimes in those in-between times, we're not saying anything when our children are acting the right way. We're only saying things when they're acting the wrong way. Yes. And from yeah. their perspective, they're like, oh God, I must be like a terrible kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the only time my mother really gives me any kind of interaction, or maybe that's a little harsh, but the only time my mother ever, um, you know, sits down and, t- and tells me something about what I'm doing is when I'm doing something negative. Mm-hmm. So it, and we can fall in a cycle, oh, yes. in the cycle of just highlighting what's negative in our child. You know, if we're having a rough day or a rough week, um, and even in my house when we're you know with three kids, sometimes like don't climb, don't do that, no, don't go there, yeah. or why did you do that? No, you're just, <laughs> and then you become overwhelmed with all of this, and you forget to notice Absolutely. the good things that yeah, they're doing, and that's really the key. 
Because mm-hmm. again, when you're when you're constantly no- noticing and and um, Becky Bailey from Conscious Discipline likes to talk about noticing a lot, and she she specifically uses also the word celebrate because the because that's really what you're doing. You're just celebrating the good things that they're constantly doing because they are constantly doing it. And like I said, yeah. talk about the classroom a lot, but it can really be applied to being a parent as well. But in the classroom, I would literally be like, wow, you pushed your chair in. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. things like that, like things that will obviously, I mean, that's just what you, you know, you threw your plate away. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then, and so it, it, again, like you said, it sounds silly for the parent, but for the child, it's so, so special. Like if yeah. my mommy is noticing 15 good things and two bad things, well then, yes. I mean, the positive is, is definitely, and then I'm not going to, and then as a child, I'm not going to try to act negatively in order to get that interaction. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, so yeah. what happens in a household when, you know, let's say one of the parents really want to follow conscious parenting and the other one doesn't? Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm only asking because that also came up a lot when we yeah, had our, our week together. And and I want to say that, that, you know, it's hard. It's kind of a hard question to answer only because um, a lot of times when there's differences of like fundamental ideas in a home, then that can mm-hmm. be a really delicate thing that I don't really want to touch on only because, you know, I don't want to give the wrong advice because I'm not like a mm-hmm. therapist or anything. But what I will say is... <laughs> When we, when, when you, you start modeling for your spouse, these interactions with your children and they start seeing the effectiveness of it, then first of all, that is telling in and of itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would never, you know, even my husband who is very, you know, I forced him to take courses with me and stuff. (laughs) He's amazing in that way. He's like, okay, whatever, I'll do it. But it doesn't always come as naturally to him. And so mm-hmm. in those moments, I say, okay, like I'm going to respect that. This is how he's interacting with the kids. And that's their relationship with him. I'm not going to infringe on that. But when mm-hmm. I am interacting with my children and he's able to see those interactions and how effective they are or how, or if, you know, if it inspires him at all, then at least I'm happy that that happened. And I, mm-hmm. I do like to, to just say that you know, there does have to be a healthy respect, obviously, between the two mm-hmm. the two spouses. A lot of times it becomes difficult when there's divorced spouses, um, mm-hmm. divorced parents, I'm sorry. Yes. Those situations. But again, that's really like those kinds of things are really more for a, for a therapist only because yeah. they're kind of more trained in those kinds of, you know, it's like any other difference of fundamental opinions in a relationship, mm-hmm. you know? It, happy, healthy just... relationship, you would hope that there would be that mutual respect of, um, I'm gonna, you know, if, if that's how you're gonna communicate with the kids, and this is how I'm gonna communicate with the kids, and and you and you just kind of go from there. Because mm-hmm. I think, especially when it comes to discipline, um, some people might feel that one spouse is trying to be more in terms of, you know, the the new way of disciplining, you know, right, the way that we've been talking about, and some sp- one spouse might be more traditional and and harsh. Um, so I, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I guess this could be a different conversation, but you know, I'm just wondering if, if one parent tries their best to follow the kind of discipline that we've been talking about today, but the other parent doesn't, does it cancel out? Oh, I or... no, 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 because okay. like, because the, and I'll tell you why, because every moment of connection or positive interaction or conscious interaction, let's just say conscious interaction that you have with your child stands alone. Um, it's, it's, it's impactful and valuable in your relationship with that child. Your Mm -hmm. child acts a certain way 
with you as a mother or as a father based on their relationship with you. And so that is not going to just go away because their relationship, you know, it's like people ask the same question of, well, what if I send my child to a school where they have a reward and reward system? Oh yeah. You know, and that happens all the time because schools are not up to date with this kind of stuff. Does Mm -hmm. it cancel out what you're doing at home? And my response is no. So what I do at home then is going to build my child up as much as possible so that when they are out in the world where this is not mainstream, they'll be mm-hmm. able to carry themselves because they have that foundation from me. Got it. You know what I Good. mean? And, and that's yeah. the ideal kind of way of looking at it is that I can only control the way I interact with my child. I cannot control anything else. So mm-hmm. I'm at least going to put as much of what I feel is the, is the best way to, to do that into our relationship and build my child up. So when they, he, he or she is, interacting with someone else who isn't, you know, dealing with them that way, Mm -hmm. then they have that strength from, from what I've given them. I love that. I think that's really great advice. Yes. So yeah, thanks. It is, by the way, it is a top question I get also because you too, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. It's, and I also get a lot of, when I have my, my seminars, my classes, I also get a lot of husbands dragging their, their, their spouse, I mean, wives dragging their husband (laughs) and the husband's just arguing with me the whole time or vice versa. I've had a husband who wanted to get more into it. And the wife was like arguing with me the whole time. And I'm happy with that (laughs) because at least they're there and they're interacting and they're maybe Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll come away with something from it. So, but yeah, that happens a lot. What you're, what you're talking about. <laughs> I guess it, it, it could be hard. It's possible, but it could be difficult to break that cycle, especially if we were raised in the more traditional version of, you know, discipline. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We might see that as being effective, you know, and sure. say, well, why would I change that? Yeah. And it is mm. effective in it's a change the behavior in the moment. We spoke about that mm-hmm. with punishment. It is effective. It, it does because of that fear because it's yeah. fear driven because of that fear it's it's absolutely effective in stopping that behavior and in asserting power and i understand the drive for for that that you want to have control and you want to have power and and you want your children to act the quote unquote right way the question is is it how long lasting is that you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and yeah but it definitely works so people do say oh well it works so when i send my kids to my room to their room they stop acting that way so why would i change mm-hmm. it Mm-hmm. I would, I just say, because I, I don't know, for me and my children, I want more than just them acting the right way out of fear. I want them yeah. to know why and to know how to go forward and, and, and not to, to squash their self-esteem in the moment. In exactly. The time. So yeah. I, I just actually had a conversation with a friend where we were both, you know, um, disciplined pretty, not harshly, but in, in that traditional way. Right. And we were saying, you know, we, we turned out. Okay, okay, right? Yeah. And then we, we kind of both laughed and said, we're, we're really? not that okay. <laughs> we're not, <laughs> we do have consequences. <laughs> and it's it's sort of that connection wasn't built Absolutely. Um, with yeah. our, our parents. And we have, we both have really, you know, some self-esteem issues and some, some issues that we have to deal with on our own. And, you know, I don't know if it was because of that, but that definitely played a role. <laughs> Absolutely. In, in, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, it's another conversation I have a lot with people where they, where the naysayers, so to speak, where they say, mm-hmm. well, I was parented a certain way and I turned out okay. And obviously I don't say this to them, but in my head, I'm thinking, <laughs> well, did you really turn out? I mean, I'm sure, yeah. Are you I'm really? Sure you're a wonderful human being to them, yes. you know, but, but look at our world and tell me, did people really, mm-hmm. um, 
quote unquote turn out the way the way you know we would want a world to be and I yes. overwhelmingly no mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I agree yeah. we want to be the change you know be the change we wish to see in the world so exactly uh, and and children are changing and they're demanding more they want to be seen and they want to be heard and so mm-hmm. either we can take that as well we'll just keep trying to you know beat them down until they stop wanting those things but then we have to mm-hmm. ask ourselves why do we want them to stop being heard and stop developing as human beings? We don't want that. Yeah. We want them to be able no. to be in the world and do good. Mm-hmm. So, so the key is to to build them up. And and well I, I really honestly believe that conscious parenting is the way to go about it. I do think that it is hard, like anything mm-hmm. else. You know, when people talk about diet culture. You know, people talk about how mm-hmm. diet culture is not long lasting and how you get those dramatic results in the moment, but then it's, it doesn't last over time. And I mm-hmm. like to actually use that analogy because, um, first of all, I'm very anti-diet culture, but that's another conversation, <laughs> but, but it works. The analogy works because anybody who's into health, real health, authentic mm-hmm. health will tell you that it's, it's a lifestyle change. Yes, it's not exactly. a, 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 um, in the moment you know, binge situation, yes. right? Yeah. And the reason is because as human beings, if you want long lasting change, it has to be work and it has to be a journey of, of implementing and, and, and investing. And if you want a, a magic potion, then someone's trying to sell you a bridge. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it's, that's not going to be long lasting. So I do believe yeah. that that, that this way of, of parenting is so effective and teaching both, whether you're an educator or a parent or both. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I, I think before I ask you, you know, to summarize everything, you know, for, for parents, yeah. if you want to, ju- if we can just maybe touch very quickly, really strict discipline. Um, you know, there was a, a study that showed, you know, the more a child is spanked when they are young, that the more aggressive they are in their own uh, demeanor with other people, with other kids at school. Um, would you, I don't know if you have any studies that you'd want to mention or something that you'd like to say to this so, subject? So I don't have any studies offhand, though mm-hmm. I have read similar studies to what you're talking about. Um, and I will just say that not only just with spanking, but any kind of um, punitive response to children sends mm-hmm. them straight into their um, survival mode or the yes. fight or flight um, status. And what that does is it, it, it's literally like they're constantly in survival mode. So instead of, you know, we know that when a, when a, when a human being, I I would say like survival mode means I'm being chased and I need to, I, 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 someone's chasing by a bear, you know (laughs) what I mean? Or by a bear. Yeah. Yeah. A wild animal. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, let's say you're running away from a wild animal and someone's like, what's two plus two? You'll be like, I have no idea. Don't ask questions right now, right? (laughs) Exactly. Even if you know it, even if you know, there's no way you would even be able to, to think about it. And the reason is because the, the, from a brain perspective, um, the prefrontal cortex, which is where the learning center of the brain shuts down. That's where critical thinking, Mm -hmm. problem solving, conflict resolution, judgment, shuts down completely so that the so that the brain stem can be can be um stimulated and the brain stem yeah. that's what keeps you alive that's survival exactly so in those moments when a child is literally being hit or being dealt with in a very uh harsh manner mm-hmm. that child's prefrontal cortex shuts down they cannot mm-hmm. um 
learn. They cannot see clearly nothing. So I, I don't have any studies, but I can imagine that what you're saying based on that study is true. And yeah. because a, ch a child who is constantly being interacted with that way is going to be on the defense, is going to interact with others that way. Because again, as parents, we model behavior for, for, you know, our, our children. So if we're modeling that kind of interaction, then why wouldn't they go and interact with other people that way? Exactly. Um, but you know, I, I think even beyond the, the mod, what we're modeling, what's happening internally in the child's brain when all this is happening, like you said, is that, that fight or flight. Right. So now you're constantly putting a child's brain under stress. Um, and there are long-term effects of the brain being, you know, in that constant fight or flight mode. Oh, that's so interesting. Um, you're, you're impacting their hormone, their, their, sorry, you're impacting their hormones uh, in terms of those stress hormones. You're keeping those levels high. And that's been shown if that's, if you're keeping those levels high uh, for a long time, it impacts um, structures that are involved in memory and that frontal lobe, that prefrontal cortex, like you mentioned. So there are literally like long-term consequences of being under stress often. It makes sense because if you think about a child's brain development and everything that a child takes in has makes an impression on the brain and there, the neurons, the connections between the neurons that are happening It, it are incredible. So mm -hmm. in a positive way, for example, when you speak about reading to newborns, like we were saying, or having interactions where you're talking and asking questions and having conversations with eye contact and, 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 and a dialogue, you know, the back and forth that there are neurons firing away in the brain. Mm -hmm. And, um, but imagine the, the, the negative of that when you're exactly negative, the negative consequences of, of that kind of development. Well, how would you, I guess, close off our conversation for parents that are listening? What would you say are your, you know, top three takeaways? Things that, yeah. Okay. So, um, I, I would probably just say that the, the foundations, the fundamental ideas of conscious parenting are really the takeaways because number one, that we should not shy away from conflict. The conflict mm -hmm. is really an opportunity to teach. Um, and that, and that disciplining, if you, if you, take the word discipline and you replace it with the word teach, then really our entire, the way we look at our children's behaviors, the way we look at um, our interactions and our conflicts with them really changes things. Um, that's mm -hmm. number one. Number two, um, I think the biggest takeaway with these conversations is that perfection is not an attainable goal. And that as long yes. as you're taking steps towards, um, you know, trying to be better and do better, then that is all that you can expect from yourself. And therefore expecting perfection from your child as well is also uh, just kind of unfair because mm -hmm. a lot of these, the, the misbehaviors or the mistaken behaviors as we spoke about are so common. Every child is going through it. Every child is doing it, which means that it's developmentally appropriate. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, when we look at our, our children's misbehaviors as mistaken behaviors, then we're able to, you know, to view it, to view it differently. And, um, and just to remember to, to always look at your children's positive intent, because not mm -hmm. only will it help you as a parent interact more positively with your child, it will also help your child be receptive to learning from you in those moments. And yeah. that's really what you want, because your interactions with your children should be constructive and not destructive. Yes. I think that that's really the, the, the bottom line. And, and again, the number one um, 
kind of fundamental idea of conscious parenting is connection. It's just constantly connecting to your children, whether it's Mm -hmm. noticing, whether it's through having conversations, reading books, talking, um, you know, physical touch. If that's something that your child is, is not, you know, um, against (laughs) some children Mm -hmm. run into it, you know, those are the, that's really the goal. The goal is to create that, that climate of connection and respect so that in those moments of conflict or upset, your child feels connected to you. Yes. So one thing that I changed with the way that I I was dealing with certain situations was um, making sure I had eye contact with my kids. Oh, yes. So regardless of their age and how small they are, and regardless of how upset I could be in that situation, I would get down to their their level to connect, to look at them in the eyes, to remember they're human, just like me, and we make mistakes. And I'm really upset now, but at least I'm, I'm showing them that connection at that moment and just looking at them in the eyes which is what we would want right as adults too when you're feeling upset you just want that connection with somebody so it's the same thing with our kids and i'm glad that you said that yeah Yeah. i think connection is really the number one takeaway out of everything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so thank you thank you so much for this chat again i think we could have chatted for another couple hours i I (laughs) literally go on and on about this there's yeah talk about i mean this really was just on one foot because an Mm -hmm. hour is never going to be you know um sufficient so there's so much to talk about that it's definitely definitely a start yeah and how can we reach you um i mentioned your instagram account and your website is there anything else or yeah yeah, i would say that's probably the the most effective my instagram my my website um and i'm really really quick i'm usually at my computer so i'm actually usually very quick at at the responding so um i love talking to people i love connecting to people so i am always around for that do you offer coaching to help I parents offer, with this? Yes. yes. So, <laughs> so I do. I, I offer um I offer one on one parent coaching or or one you know one on two with couples as well. Mm-hmm. I also do um webinars. I actually have my I have like a back to basics three part webinar series uh, that's mm-hmm. coming up in the next couple of weeks. Nice. So um there there will definitely be information on my website and on my on my Instagram for that. It's really like mm-hmm. a uh, uh, it leaves parents with basic understanding of how to move forward with conscious parenting, all the, mm-hmm. the fundamentals, a little bit of what we spoke about tonight, but way more. So that's coming up soon. Also. Yeah. And I also do um, educational consulting. So I go into schools as well and I work, I do teacher mentoring. I work with teachers as well. So I do both sides of it, the school side of it and the parenting side of it. That's amazing. Yeah. Perfect. Well, then I, I think that gives a lot of people options to, to reach out yeah. to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for giving me this opportunity. And I, I think we're going to have a chat again yeah. pretty soon. And I hope thank so. you. I hope so. <laughs> thank you. Take care. Bye. And that is all for today's episode. If you're enjoying our podcast, please take a moment to review it on iTunes. I hope to see you at next week's family meeting. And remember, Parenting comes with its ups and downs, its challenges and successes. And when you feel stuck in one of those difficult moments, whether it's a day, a week or months, know that you will get through it and that you've got this. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye.